So, hey, we're continuing our series, Filters Part Two, Season Two today. Y'all ready for Season Two? Y'all ready to kick it off? Yeah. Oh, 9:30. We're gonna need some help this morning. 9:30. Y'all awake? You good? You ready? All right. Here we go. So, we're going to kick off today, Part Two of. The filters. How many of you, just show of hands, I need everybody to actively be involved in answering this question by a show of hands. How many of you have made a decision that made no sense and was irrational at times? How many of you have made a decision like that? Yeah, good. Okay. For the rest of you that don't have your hands raised, you can polish your halos and I'll talk to the rest of everybody here, the real people, about what this looks like. Have you ever just made those conscious decisions that, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore, no more, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm eating healthy from here on, you know, and you're, you know, two weeks in and you're eating healthy and everything's going good. And then that coworker brings that box of donuts right there to the office, you know, and you tell yourself one bite's good. That's all I need. One bite. Well, 12 dozen later, no, 12 dozen. <laughs> you know, it's one thing that leads to another, you know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to say those things anymore. And it's just these triggers. You ever notice that? It's these triggers. As soon as something happens, you just automatically react and, and you're like, no, I said I wasn't going to do that again. Why is it that we do that? Why is it that the things that we say we're not going to do, we, we keep doing? You see, actually, the Apostle Paul talked about this in Romans 12, this, I mean, uh, uh, Romans 7, this idea of the struggle that goes on. Well, scientists have actually given a name to this. There's, there's a neuroplasticity. I think I said it right. It's a big word, so it's a little beyond my pay grade. So, but it's a big word that, that literally means, here's what it means, is that your brain is always growing, always evolving, always creating new pathways. That your thinking process is a form of pathways and things that you have believed over a certain amount of time. Let me show you how this works. So when you're a baby and, you know, you're at home and you're like, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. And your parents are looking down at you and going, oh, 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 do it again, do it again, do it again. You're like, oh, oh, ah, ah. And then this creates in you as a baby a neural pathway that says, when I say, oh, oh, ah, ah, then my parents smile and give me attention and creates this pathway. When your kids are wanting a sucker, and they start crying for a sucker, and you stand up and go, no, it's dinner time, no sucker. And then they cry, and they cry, and they cry, and they cry, and you plop the sucker in their mouth. And then they've created now a neural pathway that says, if I cry enough, I get what I want. That's why some of your 15-year-olds are the way, anyways, okay, so that's... <laughs> It creates a neural pathway that if I do this enough, this is the byproduct of what happens. It's the same thing like when you're young and you touch a stove that is hot. You're like, and some of your skin is left on the stove. And you realize, stove hot, don't touch. And a neural pathway is created that says, when you get around a stove, don't touch it. And that has created a path that every time you see that, that's what reactions happen. The same is true, though, with many other emotions and things in our lives. When things don't go the way that you want them to go, and things are a little bit stressful, and there's pressure, and you begin to worry. You know why? Because it's been a pathway that has been created over time. Because how many of you know your kids don't ever wake up thinking about bills? Or do yours? Mine don't. 
Your kids don't wake up and just thinking about, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do this? You as an adult, as you've grown, a pathway has now been created to have to do these things. But then pressure and stress and hardship can then create worry. Fear can become a pathway. And you wonder why when you say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. And then something happens that day and you go, okay, well, just one. It's a pathway that has been created for so long. It's like when you walk down in a forest and the path and the grass has been beaten down for so long. It's a path that's been created. And so we have to, in this series, talk about changing the filter. That if you want to change your life, you've got to change your thinking. Change your thinking, change your life. Everybody say that with me. Change your thinking. Say it again. Change your thinking, change your life. Let me show you how this is in Ephesians. Ephesians says it this way. Ephesians chapter 4. You should have gotten some notes when you walked in. You can also follow these notes on the YouVersion app. If you go to the events section of YouVersion, these are on there as well in your Bible app. It says this. Ephesians 4.23. Be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in your mind. Be renewed in your mind. Having a, watch this, a what? A fresh and an untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. That Paul is saying, I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad you love Jesus now. But let me tell you something. Now we're going to have to get rid of the stinking thinking. We're going to have to change. We're going to have to give you something fresh, something fresh. How many love the feelings of fresh sheets at night? Fresh sheets. You're like, yeah, just feels good. Fresh underwear. Feels good. Come on, someone. Y'all just like fresh, fresh shower, fresh... Everybody loves fresh. Fresh bread. Who likes stale bread? Fresh bread. Get out of here. Fresh bread. Everybody likes stuff fresh. Fresh filters. God wants us to have fresh filters in our lives. The problem is, is that oftentimes because of the thinking that we've had, it's kind of gotten clogged. And last week we talked about the funk in the filter and it happens. The enemy lies to us and world pollutes us and our own thoughts. And we have all these And so I want to just recap real quick last week, and I want to real quickly jump into this week. And and here's the big thought from last week. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. However you're thinking, that's where you're going. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What's coming in is getting lived out. I got to watch what, I, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, what I'm hearing. What's coming into my mind is going to get lived out in my life. I can't have a new life without having a new mind. Change the thinking, change my life. Okay? I can't live a positive life and a negative mind. Everything's got to filter through. So that was last week, this idea that we all got to, we got to get new minds. We got to let God begin to change the filter. This week, I want to talk about fixing the filter. Not just changing it, but, but, but we need to fix it. And so your life's always going to move in the direction of how... You're thinking. And so today I want to show you two stories, a story of a man in the Old Testament, a story of a man in the New Testament, and how their filters impacted the way they saw things. First one is by a man by the name of Gideon. Judges chapter 6. We're about to read them in just a minute. Let me recap what's going on real quick. So the children of Israel, God's people, have gotten in the book of Exodus, got out of, got out of Egypt, out of slavery. God promised them, you're going to be in a promised land, a place of blessing, a place I've always destined for you to be in. They brought them out. Because of the children of Israel's moaning and groaning, God said, all right, 40 years. Y'all hanging out in the desert, 40 years. You staying here. Moses died. God says, Joshua, you're up. 
Joshua literally brings the people into the promised land. We know the battle of Jericho and all the fights that he had to go into. He gets into the promised land. Joshua gets all the people into the promised land. Joshua dies, and now you have all of these people, all of God's people, in a land that God promised them. Here's the problem, though. When they get into the promised land, there's still some enemies they still got to fight. Because how many know, even though you're on your path doing what God's calling you to do, how many know you still got to fight? There's always a fight. And so there was all these different people that were fighting against it. And today you're going to learn about the Midianites. Okay. And, and, and if you go and you track through, you see like the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Levites and the Midianites and the Mosquito Bites and the Egg Whites and the <laughs> Jedi Knights and all the other Knights that come with it. And so today we're finding with the Midianites. And the Midianites, their strategy was actually not to come in to conquer you. Their strategy was to come in and to rob you. So what they would do is the children of Israel in this time were farming and growing, you know, wheat and uh, growing produce and all the things for them to live. And when it would be harvest time, the Midianites would come in and they wouldn't conquer them. They would just steal all of their food and take it. They were being robbed. And so they were being oppressed by these people. And we catch up with Gideon and God's had enough and God is ready for, for someone to step up and take these people out. So God calls Gideon. And so Judges chapter 6, it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Now Gideon had taken the wheat, and he, he wasn't in the wheat house. He was actually now in the wine press. He brought it somewhere else. He was actually hiding from the Midianites. But how many know when you're hiding, God will still find you? How many of you were hiding and God still found you? How many know it's, hide and seek doesn't go well with God? He's pretty good. And an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior, underline that, circle that. We're going to come back to that. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> and I love his response. Pardon me? Pardon? Wait, wait. You, you talking to the right person? Gideon replies, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? First thing I want you to write down, number one, your filter impacts the way you see God. Your filter impacts the way that you see God. First thing that happens, God is saying, hey, you are a mighty warrior. I got a plan. I got a purpose for you. And the first question he asks is, well, if the Lord was with us, then why? Watch. He, he goes on and he says this. We are all his wonders. Uh, where, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? I mean, I've heard my grandfather, my grandparents, they, they were all talking about what God did and how he split the Red Sea and all of them walked through it and he, how he had hamburgers raining from heaven for every day and how all that God was doing and water was coming out of the rock. And I heard about all these great things, but God isn't doing any of those now. So if you're saying, God, that you're good and you got a mission for me, I just don't see me doing that because I don't know where you're at. The Lord has abandoned us. And given us into the hand of Midian. And listen, your filter will impact the way that you see God. It's impacting it right now. As I said earlier, actually after worship, this idea of how you see God is how you interact with God. If you see God as God is judgmental and looking at you and mad at you and can't wait to strike you down, how many of you know you won't go to that God? And some of us have bought into this Christianity that says that if I love God, then nothing bad will happen to me. <laughs> That is not the truth. The Bible actually promises you that you will go through hard times. The Bible says that for you not to lose heart, because how many know everything that Jesus experienced, you're going to. Everything that Jesus went through, you went through. 
How many know everything that Paul went, you can't even read through the New Testament without seeing these guys that went through hardships. And yet he, Gideon has bought into this lie. He's got a new pathway now, a new filter that says, if God is good, then why am I going through this? And some of you right now are asking that exact same question. If God is who he says he is, and God is good, and God is with me, and God is all-powerful, and then, then why did he die? Or why did she leave me? Or why did I lose this job? Or why isn't life working out the way I thought it would work out? Anybody ask those questions? Have I got any honest people in this house that have asked those questions to God? Why? And your filter will impact the way that you see God. It impacts us all the time. He needed a new filter. A new filter that said, hey, life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. You can tattoo it on your arm. Life is hard, but God is good. Anybody, any real Christians in here understand that life is hard, but God is good? Life is hard, but God is with you. Life is hard, but God is for you. Life is hard, but God will always be there in the midst of this. And I'm going to tell you, the lie of the enemy is to say life is hard because God isn't good. And so it, it changes. It changes the way. We've got we to see God the way he wants us to see him. Number two is your filter impacts the way you see yourself. It impacts the way you see. Watch, watch what it says in the next verse, verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Here we go. Pardon me? Are, are you talking to the right person, God? I mean, I'm, seriously, is this, I think you're supposed to get Samson. I don't know. I think you got the wrong, you got the wrong, you called the wrong number. Gideon replies, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Least in my family. What is he doing? He's seeing himself through his own filter. That I am the weak, that I am the least. And how many of you know, we see ourselves based off of our filter. Our filter tells us what we are. You see it all the time. And now, to make it even worse, our social media have now put filters in all of your photos. So now, if you even had any more insecurities about yourself, you can just add another filter to even add more to it to make people think that you are something when you're actually not. That's why people go, hashtag no filter. <laughs> right? Like, this is, this is real. All the other stuff I'm posting is fake. <laughs> hashtag no filter. Because our filter impacts the way that we see ourselves. And how many like to play? Let's just be honest. How many like to play with those filters a little bit? They're kind of fun. My, how many of your kids like to play with those filters? Some of y'all don't even, you're liars. You don't even want to act like, I don't play with those filters. Yeah, you do. We know. All right. So we, we play with those. One of, the, one of the fun ones that just came out a while back uh, that my sons love playing with. Oh, let me show you. Was a, this is a picture of me and, uh, and Joel. This one was fun. I, I love this one. The next one, though, is, is the one that, the filter that I like the most. This is, <laughs> come on. That's rough. That's rough. Should, oh. Joel's growing up on us. He's growing up fast. Actually, I like the other one. The next one's actually the one. This is my favorite. This is the one that I love the most. <laughs> Babe, you look good with a beard. I just <laughs> you can take that off, please. And so, filters. We like filters. We like playing with filters. Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about filters, though. Filters impact the way you see yourself, but oftentimes 
how you see yourself is how you perceive everybody else sees you. How you see yourself, you assume everybody sees you that way. We project our filters onto other people. When the spies went into the land of the promised land to go spy it out, and they came back and they said, what is it like? They said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Who told you that? Their filter told them that. And some of you have a filter that says, I can't. I'm always going to be this way. I'm never going to be smart enough. I'm never going to do this. We're never going to have enough money. I'm always going to be this big. We're never going to have a baby. I'm never going to get that job. I can't do this. We can't do this. We can't go there. And we have bought into a filter that we have put on ourselves, and we assume that everybody else sees that same filter. And how many know God so wants you to see yourself the way he sees you? God is so adamant in scripture about you seeing you how he sees you. And God looks at Gideon and says, mighty warrior. Pardon me? Excuse me? Come again? Mighty warrior. Listen to me closely. God sees him. All right, let me put it this way. God calls him like he sees him. God calls him like he sees him. All throughout scripture, you see man of God, woman of God, daughter of God, mighty warrior. How many know sometimes you don't feel like mighty warrior? You feel like mighty depressed. Any, any honest people in here? Mighty weak, mighty poor, mighty broke. Uh, y'all identify with that one. But I say mighty warrior, y'all look at me like I got something in my teeth. You know why? Because you don't see yourself that way. You have bought, you have, you have accepted the label of broke, of fat, of insecure, of inadequate, of whatever the label is. And some of it has been labels you've put on yourself, and, but some of your filter has been what people have put on you. Your husband told you, you're never gonna lose weight. Your father told you, you're an accident. Your teacher told you, you're not smart enough to do that. And we have heard voices from people and sometimes it's from the people we love the most. How many you know the people who love you the most? Their words hurt the most. And they become, here's what that happens. Those get stuck in the filter, then they become the pathway, and then every time we go to step out, we hear the words, you can't do that. You can't do that. You, you're always going to do this. You're always going to struggle with it. And it impacts the way that we see ourselves. And for years we battle this and we want to please people and we're obsessed with what people think about us. This is why social media in a lot of ways is, can be so harmful because we, we're, we're living for likes. We want someone to validate us. Someone to tell us we can do this. And I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle, this is how he says it. Look what he says. He says, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. 
Come on, isn't that so true? We so quickly take on what other people say about us that we forget what God says about us. We hear God say, mighty warrior, and then we hear somebody next to us say, ah, no. Hmm, wounded warrior. But you're not mighty. And we forget what God is calling us. He is speaking this into us. And so listen, the greatest battle, <laughs> the greatest battle that Gideon was going to fight was not actually the Midianites. It was his mind. Y'all hearing me? The See, we championed the fact that he won the battle with 300 men. That battle was fixed. Like when he went into that battle, he went into that battle. Watch. watch, watch. Let, me, let me show you this. I'm, I'm going to show you how he goes into the battle. But I want you to listen to me. And if you want to just write this down, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. It's not the Midianites, it's the mind. Watch. Let me show you what happens. Let me show you what happens when you change the filter. One chapter later, one chapter, says that Gideon returns to the camp of Israel and he calls out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Man, sounds a little different now, huh? He was hiding earlier. Now he's coming back and he's saying, Divide the 300 men into three companies. Now watch this. And he placed the trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them. Sounds like great weapons to go out to battle with, doesn't it? <laughs> Break out the trumpets. We're going to jazz them to death. All right. <laughs> right? Trumpets and jars. <laughs> Sounds like a good strategy. You know why they don't need a strategy, though? Because God's going to fight their battle for them. All God had to do is get him over himself. And God was going to take care of the rest. I'm telling you right now, God would do so much in your life if you would just get over yourself and let God do the battle for you. He's going to win the war. And watch what he says. Watch me. Before he says, no, 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 not about me, not about me. No, he was insecure. And he had inadequacies. And now he's telling the guys, listen, watch me. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. Watch me. Follow me. Do as I do. Watch me. Follow me. Do as I do. Sounds like a good parenting strategy, doesn't it? Watch me. Follow me. Don't do what I did. But this is for us what God is calling us. When we change the filter, come on, how many know? When you change the filter, He can change your life. And here we are, one chapter before, insecure, inadequate, inadequate, I can't do this. One chapter later, over the course of chapter 6 to chapter 7, God infuses a new filter into his mind for him to see himself, how God sees him. How many know God wants you to see you how he sees you so you'd stop thinking about how other people see you so he can use you how he wants to use you? But he can't use you until you see you as he wants to see you. But we have put on our own filter of how we think God sees us, and that's not how God sees you. He sees you in a totally different way. And God wants you to give you a fresh, fresh, fresh filter, fresh filter to see you. Can you imagine what the body of Christ can do if the body of Christ would understand that you're not a victim, you're a victor? Like you don't have to walk around with your head down. Like God is good. He's with you. He's for you. He wants to use you. He's got a purpose for you. You're not, your, your destiny is not tied to your history. He can rewrite it. And this is what the filter does. It changes us from the inside. So I, wanna, I want us to look at how do we change the filter? How do we fix that faulty filter? Number one, don't just empty your mind. Fill your mind. 
Don't just empty your mind, fill your mind. Now I want to show you now someone in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who really walked through many battles in his own insecurities and his own inadequacies and his own past that he dealt with. But this man had a filter, man. He had a filter that came from the Lord to be able to stand in the middle of people wanting to kill him. And he says, well, to die is gain. I just want to be with the Lord. You know, everything they would try to do to him, he would always have some kind of counter with them. Well, I'm just going to take all your stuff. Well, then I'm content. And he's in the middle of prison, been beaten, and he's writing letters. Most of his letters he wrote were in prison. And you would think most of the letters, if we wrote the letters to people, our letters would be consumed with like, pray for me. I just need some strength right now. Hashtag Lord is good, but I'm not feeling it. Come on. I mean, it would be like, pity me. Hey, just be, you thinking about me? Watch, in prison. This is what he writes, Philippians chapter 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is the last thing I want you to know. If there's anything I want you to know, I want you to know this thing. Hey, this is really important. Know this thing. Know this thing. This is important. I mean, no, parents, when you're about to leave and you look at your kids and go, one thing, <laughs> clean your room. And you come back home, what you going to find, what you, what you looking for? If they did that, one thing. He says, hey, I got, I got one thing for you guys. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This, this think about things, this think about things. And the New King James Version says meditate on these things. Meditate on what is true and what is honorable and what is pure and what is lovely. What is a, a good report, other translations say, think about it, meditate on it, meditate on it. And you go, Pastor Josh, meditation. Ah, I knew this church was crazy. Meditation, what are you talking about? Like, you know, sitting with my legs crossed? I can't even cross my legs, Pastor Josh. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Go, mm. No, that's Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is all about emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is all about filling your mind. So God doesn't want to empty the mind. God wants to fill your mind. God wants to flood your mind. God wants you to meditate on his word. He wants you to be in his word. Let us meditate. Come on. Another word I like to use for meditate is marinate. All the cooks in the house. Come on, somebody. You getting hungry? Just marinate. Marinate all up in the truth of God's word. Because this is what it says. Look, meditate. I'm going to let all the nutrients of what it is. I meditate, David says, on your precepts. And I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Look what the next verse says. Watch. I meditate on your works and consider what your hands have done. I'm meditating. I'm letting your word do a work on the inside of me. It's just not about taking out the junky thoughts and trying to clean the filter by getting all the stuff out. You got to put some stuff in. Meditation. It's, it's, a, it's, it's training. It's equipping. And listen, I, you know, within the last couple of years, I'm starting to work out more, trying to take care of my body. And I always thought that, you know, if I just do some CrossFit and go in there and sling some weight around and grunt and yell and sweat over everything, that I'd be healthy. But I'm learning that a healthy body is not just going in and slinging weight around. A healthy body is not just what you do with your body, it's what you put in your body. Y'all know that matters, right? So I can't go sling some weight around and then go eat Popeye's after. Like I can. Actually, I, I used to work out because I wanted to eat whatever I want, and then I learned that doesn't work. <laughs> to be honest. And I've learned that I've got I've to put the right things in. 
If I want spiritual health, how many know it's not just enough to do the things, you also got to put some good stuff in. Are y'all with me? So I want to show you, I want to show you an illustration here that, that hopefully will, will give you a visual on what it is whenever you're meditating on God's word, when you're letting God's word meditate in your heart. You have it? You can get that for me? We're going we're gonna to show you something. And, and I, want, I want you to write this number two down. Number two is don't just listen to yourself, talk to yourself. Don't just listen to yourself, talk to yourself. You want to fix the filter you got to meditate on God's word. you got to let God's word soak and saturate everything that's within you. It's all right. It's all good. It's just a microphone. No big deal. But you also got to not only listen to yourself, you got to talk to yourself. you got to allow God's word to talk to you. And I'm going to tell you right now, listen, if the only time that you're hearing preaching is through me, it's not enough. How many know I am trying to equip you to preach to yourself? Because how many know, I ain't there on Monday mornings. You got to preach to yourself. You, got, you have to. And this is what happens. When we take God's word, he begins to do something transformative. Now, I want you to imagine every single one of these balls represents lies that the enemy is speaking into us. This represents our mind, our filter, and we got insecurities, and you can't do this, and you will always be this, and we will never have this, and, and you hear those, and you're letting, but this is what happens. You know, man, I've got to allow God to begin to let his word speak into my heart, and so you on a Monday morning say, man, I know, I'm going to pray first. I'm praying first. I'm going to spend time in God's word today. And so you come and you let God's word just begin to do it. But the problem is, is the only time you do that is on Sundays. So, so you're just a little wet. But you still got all the junk up in there. Because the only time that you're letting God's word get into your heart is on a Sunday. And how many know this thing leaks? But if you would take ownership over this, and you would begin to go, God, I'm going to let your truth begin to work into my heart. God, I'm going to begin to let your truth begin to flow through my life. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get into your word every single day. Now watch. Wait, hold on. It gets better. So let's say you do it two or three times a day. And man, people are seeing some Jesus, but they're still also seeing, seeing some orange balls. Not to take someone to the end of the parking lot and look and say, hey, what do you see? They'd still see the orange balls. Because how many know you got to have a fresh filter? Fresh. And how many know you need fresh, like every day fresh? God's mercies are new every day. That every day. Now, no, I'm going to do it every day, every day, every day, every day. And I'm going to pour and pour and pour and pour. Now, watch this, watch this. Oh, this is the best part. Because the next time the enemy comes back and tries to lie to you, you see, it doesn't stick. And if it does stick, it only sits on the top. And every time the enemy comes, because now you're not full of lies, now you're full of truth. And when you are full of truth, how many know the lies got to go? The lies cannot stick. The lies cannot stay. This is what God's word does. And even if it does try to get down, guess what? comes right back up to the top. And this what is what it means to meditate on God's word because I don't want you to go and try to just combat the lies. I want you just to be so full of truth that when it comes, you recognize it as a lie. That when it comes, 
You go, I'm so full of truth. I'm so full of your word. I'm so full of this. Because God, I'm not just going to listen to myself. I'm going to talk to myself. Some of you go, Pastor Josh, that's crazy. You're talking to yourself already. Right? You're talking to yourself already. Now I'm talking to myself already. But I've got to let God's word speak into my life. This is actually scriptural. Let me show you how this works. Watch what, watch what scripture says. Speaking to yourselves. You're going to speak to yourself. And this is what you're going to speak. You're going to speak some psalms. You're going to speak some hymns. You're going to speak some spiritual songs. Singing. Making melody. In your heart. To the Lord. You're going to just speak. 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 Just let it flow. Let it come out of you. And let worship change that. Let God's word change that. Speak, 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 speak. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it until we believe it. How many know sometimes you got to think it and confess it, but you're not seeing it yet? So you got to just keep thinking it, keep confessing it until you believe it. You got to keep thinking it. You got to keep confessing it until you believe it. You got to keep thinking it. Because some of you are, are, are understanding truth in the head, but it has not reached the heart. Listen to me. There are more people that know that God is with me. God is for me. God is an overcomer. God takes care of birds and bees. He's going to take care of me. We know it here. We don't know it here. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what that tells me, it's not good enough just to come on a Sunday and just hear it for here. I've got to let the revelation get down to here. And when it gets down to here, it rechanges what goes on up here, which then changes my life. And so sometimes I just got to preach to myself. Come on, how many know you just got to preach to yourself? I mean, I just don't want to do, I don't want to work out. I don't want to work out. I don't want to do anything. And I've realized that I have so much self-talk in me. So much self-talk. When it came to this idea of, of running, and I'm not a runner, not at all, I, I, I have realized over the course of the last couple of months how much self-talk I've told myself of what I can't do. You can't run three miles. You can't do this. You can't do that. And every time I'd get done, I'd be like, I can do more than I thought I could. And then here's the thought. Here's the big thought. If I'm thinking that when it comes to running, what is limiting me in other areas of my life that I've allowed lies to limit me on? Are y'all with me? If I'm doing this, if I'm making this excuse when it comes to working out or to exercise, what other areas is God going, mighty warrior, I have a plan for you, and you're like, mm -mm -mm -mm, pardon me? How many of you in here, maybe God's been trying to do something in you, but you keep saying, pardon me? And God's gone. no, I want to change that. I've got a mission for you. The children of Israel were waiting for Gideon to get his mind right. And when he did, he delivered them. How many people are waiting on us to get this right? Because God wants to do something through us that impacts them. So we've got to fix the filter. We've got to not only empty the mind, we've got to fill the mind. We've not only got to fill the mind, though, we've got to also talk to ourselves. We've got to preach to yourself. So I want to end today with something practical. And that is we're going to preach to ourselves. On your notes, on the back, it's a thing that says, I think, personal declarations. And this is something that I, I feel is powerful. 
I used to not be all for this because honestly, when I saw these kind of things, I would think, I'm not on Oprah. Like look in the mirror and say, you're good. Like, I'm not doing that. But I've realized that the power of this is not just speaking these things over your life. It's reminding yourself who God is and because of him who you are. So it's not just positive talk. It's we are making declarations of the word of God over our lives today. So I want us to do that today. I want you to stand all across this room. We're going to stand together. We're going to make these declarations together. I have it on the screen as well as have it in your notes. And so you can follow along today. Listen, I don't want you just to say these. I want you to feel these. I want you to feel them. And, and, and it's because of Christ. Look, because of Christ, we're going we're gonna to say this together. Because of Christ, you are strong and mighty because you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. Because of Christ, y'all going to have to keep up with me. Because of Christ, you are not your past. Your history is not your destiny. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are free. Because of Christ, you are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. Because of Christ, worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart and your soul. Because of Christ, you do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Because of Christ, you are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. Because of Christ, you are anointed and empowered, equipped and called to do God's work, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Because of Christ, no power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God. Not death, not demons, not the present, nor the past. And come on, last one. Because of Christ, you wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of your life. And is anybody in this place thankful for because of Christ? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Father, we, we love you today, God. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. We are new. We are forgiven, we are free, we are victorious, we are hope-filled because of Jesus, because of what you've done. And today we remind ourselves that our value does not come from other people, but our value comes from you. We are the apple of your eye. You so love us. God, you long to be in a relationship. And with no one looking around, this is our moment. If you're here in this place, there has been a lie that you have believed for a while, and that is that God isn't good, or that God doesn't love you, or that God can't forgive your past. But there's these lies that you believed about God, and I'm here to tell you, those are not true. God loves you. He's for you. Yes, he wants to forgive your past, but more than anything, he wants your heart. And he came down in flesh as a man to go through the things that you and I went through. But he lived a perfect life. He died a death. that honestly, you and I should have died. And he rose from the grave to conquer sin, to give us a relationship with the Father, give us a purpose on earth. If you're here in this place and you have never prayed and asked God, 
have you be born again, which literally is a new filter, a new spirit. The old passes away, God comes in and he gives you his spirit, fresh, new. If you're here in this place, listen, I'm not talking about if you've gone to church or if you've taken communion or even if maybe you got baptized. Listen, none of those things save you. A priest can't save you. A pastor can't save you. It's only Jesus who can save you. If you're here in this place and you say, man, I want a relationship with Jesus like that. I've never prayed that. I would like to have a relationship with him. If that's you on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hands up. Say, that's me, Pastor Josh. Pray for me. One, two, three. If that's you all over this room, thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five. Keep them up. Six, seven, eight, nine. Come on. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. Father, right now, we just pray. I pray for every person that's in this room. God, we confess with our lips that you are Lord. And God, we thank you today that you've forgiven us from our past, from our shame, from our failure, from our sin. And you come today to remind us, to remind us that you are our Father. So God, we confess our sins and we ask you to come be the Lord of our life, be our Savior. God, give us a fresh filter. God, we thank you because of what you did on that cross. God, you've given us a relationship with the Father, a purpose on earth, a place in heaven. Today, God, we surrender our lives to you. And God, I pray for every other person that's in this room that loves you, that knows you, but still battles with the mind. God, I pray, Lord, that this week you would remind them of who they are. And God, today, Lord, we take every thought captive But God, I pray there would be a beginning of filling our minds with your word, with your truth. May we meditate on your word this week. And as we do that, God, you'll begin to lift the lies out of our lives. God, help us today. We need your spirit more than ever. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said,